The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, Colin, it's week two. Sure is. Bye, dang it. Or I'm, darn it. Or I don't know. Yeah, you're ready. <laughs> yep. We're doing a midweek show. Yeah, we do that. Uh-huh. We do. We are playing South Carolina. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, we interviewed, I interviewed, because you don't do any work. No, no. I am purely here for uh, content. Uh-huh. Good, good content. Hey, Brennan. Yeah? You know, some guys do the work and the talent just work horses up. and their show horses exactly work horses and their shore horses yeah i think yeah. well we know where we stand yeah so anyway i the workhorse <laughs> interviewed david cloninger from uh, south carolina and he uh, had a lot of insight into <laughs> why we're gonna lose this weekend. yeah sure sure yeah yeah <laughs> bray you fucking show horse um <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> And then uh, we talked to Joe Wall Jasper, our oh. good friend of the show, Joe Wall Jasper. No one better in this state to talk mm-hmm. to about Missouri football. And uh, he talked to us about why we probably won't win. Yeah. No, we actually, no, he's a little bit more optimistic than I am about this week, but it's still ugly. Let's I be honest. Ke- I keep getting more pessimistic. And part of it is, is because I um, have seen throughout the week, people become more and more bullish on the Tigers, including mm-hmm. SEC media and like national people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... Well, I don't like when they like us. No. I like when we're the little engine that couldn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> like, they won't yeah. do. They can chug and chug and chug, but it won't matter. <laughs> well, guess what? You're, you're going to be happy a lot this year because yeah. we are going to be that engine. I, you know, I'll tell you what it is. I think that the 72 points and the yeah. 800 yards offense, it wallpapered over mm-hmm. how shitty our defense is. People just don't realize how ugly it's going to be. The narrative I keep hearing is – for the people who are getting higher on it, and I want to be, trust me, I want all of what they're saying to be true. But is that, you know, hey, even against a, you know, a terrible opponent like Missouri State, 800 yards is 800 yards. Seven touchdowns is seven touchdowns. And that's impressive. And uh, the other is that, well, this defense, they were very vanilla and they weren't really showing much. And and part of the reason they were better in the second half is because Barry Odom went away a little bit from the vanilla stuff and said, hey, obviously we're going to have to do a little more than this if we want to slow them down. And they did because they just didn't want to show anything to South Carolina. And I hope that's true. I hope all those narratives are true and that I am just being a naysayer. Um, I will gladly eat my words. I will eat a 55-gallon bucket drum full of crow if uh, – if I'm wrong, I w- and gladly enjoy yeah. every bite. I had this fantasy that it, it was a vast Mizzou whole team conspiracy to just uh, sandbag mm-hmm. the whole defense. Is like, look, my fantasies are different than yours. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they, Drew Locke is in them, though. I will say that that's where they that's where they they connect. No, and I was thinking, is like maybe you know maybe Barry Odom's a brilliant coach, and he's he's thinking, let's look. We're going to win against Missouri mm-hmm. State. Everybody knows we're going to win. Here's something else everybody knows. They expect our defense to be shit. Yeah. Now, if we come out and if we sandbag mm-hmm. and we look like absolute, complete, total garbage. Hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. And then we have to play South Carolina in conference the next week. 
we could just fucking blow their doors off because they're not going to see it hit it. And I think that's a crazy strategy, but it also would be a you know crazy strategy. That, that, that's not. A, that's oh no no, no. I don't. I don't think that do. would ever happen. But it I'd almost it would yeah, be. This the is your fantasy. This is my fantasy. Your fantasy obviously involves a lot of cocoa butter and Drew Locke. <laughs> well. I think most of what I'm hearing is like, oh, it'll be a shootout that the Tigers will be able to score more points than South Carolina. And I'd like to believe that, but as of yet, I have not seen this offense do what it did on Saturday mm-hmm. against an SEC opponent. I mean, as close as we've really come was Tennessee last year. And while they racked up 700 yards, they didn't really rack up a ton of points, at least as it relates to 700 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I. I have this weird sneaking suspicion that it's going to be like last year where like, oh, the offense is really rolling and Bentley and South Carolina will score 48 points and we will score 17. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this offense, this thunderous explosion of offense will just dissipate and go mm-hmm. away. God, I hope I'm wrong. And I tell you what, this game will go a long way to my idea of where this season can go. Because South Carolina, in my opinion, is a quality opponent. And especially after watching Florida have no offense and Georgia lose its starting quarterback and Tennessee's defense be a fucking sieve like ours, I'm going, if we beat South Carolina and look good doing it, I don't really know that we couldn't beat those other teams. I mean, if we can put up 600 yards of offense and four touchdowns against South Carolina in the passing game and maybe tack on a rushing touchdown and really rack up the scoreboard and go, why not beat those other teams? And what you're saying is we're clearing the road for Kentucky to win the East. <laughs> I don't know. I I guess I didn't even think about Kentucky, which says something <laughs> about who they are and mm-hmm. how I look at them. But I tell you what, I mean, when you've got the best quarterback in the conference, in my opinion, or arguably in the top two or three, mm-hmm. let's say, and maybe the best offense in general, at least in the probably the East and maybe throughout, when you've got those two things, why aren't you competing for the top of the heap. I mean, your defense would really have to be abysmal. I think it's all DeMarcus Acey. <laughs> well, I watched the game again a little bit <laughs> because I am a glutton for punishment. And yeah. it's, the, the secondary doesn't know where they're supposed to be, and I, I'm just hoping they can coach that up. If the vanilla defense was part of the problem in the first half, well, why are you so confused if it's so fucking vanilla? Mm-hmm. You know, but... They mentioned the misdirection plays, giving them problems, and I'm going, well, is South Carolina not going to watch that game film and go, maybe we should throw some misdirection at these guys? <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah, they, and DeMonte Cross was interviewed and said, maybe things might look better since we're going to face a more conventional offense. I'm like, maybe they're going to throw some monkey wrenches around at us. Yeah. <laughs> After seeing how utterly confused and, and yeah. frankly, how stupid our defense looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Colin. Well, we're, I can see where this is going. We're just getting ourselves depressed again. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's take a break. Head right into the interviews with David Cloninger and Joe Wall Jasper. Mazel Tov. M I Z Z O U. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore, it's a foot race, 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazzotcast. On the phone with us now is David Kloniger from the Charleston Post and Courier, who's here to talk to us a little bit about the uh, South Carolina Gamecock squad that's coming into Missouri this weekend. Thanks for being here, David. Not a problem, Brent. 
So uh, we got our first taste of college football last weekend, and we saw the Gamecocks have a pretty a nice performance against NC State and come away with a win. And, of course, we saw our Missouri Tigers put up lots of points and then not be able to uh, stop the opponent from putting up points. Based on this very small sample size, what are your expectations of this game on Saturday? Again, based on the very small sample size, Brendan, I'm thinking lots and lots of points. Yeah. Uh, you know, Missouri is designed to do that. They have that fast, up-tempo attack. Josh Heupel likes to get the ball in the end zone as quickly as he possibly can. And South Carolina, I think, knows that it has some offensive weapons. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the best way to try to win this game is to try to outscore Missouri, which is exactly what Missouri is going to try to do to South Carolina. So I'll say that uh, maybe South Carolina will try to slow it down a little more than Missouri, but they're going to have to answer everything that Missouri puts up. I think Missouri's game plan is basically trying to uh, break serve at some point and maybe make a, a, a stop. But we are very nervous about our defense in general. And then we saw Jake Bentley is capable of, particularly in the first half of that NC State game. What do you think the game plan will be against a very porous secondary against Missouri? Do you think they're going to just be an all-out air raid, or do you think it's it's going to be a mixed attack? My guess is it'll be successful either way. The all-out air raid might have to be shelved uh, for the later stages of the game. It's just fresh off and all. USC has three dynamic running backs, and any one of them can really give the Gamecocks a lot of production when they're on the ground. Now, it didn't work so well last week against that great defensive confidence they had, but they're looking for it to have a big week this week. If you get those guys on the field, they keep the clock moving, they give you a drive that should end in the end zone, which, you know, is, is what they're there to do, and it keeps Missouri off the field. So I think that they're going to try to uh, implement the run as much as possible and see if Missouri can handle that. And if they can't, well, why get away from it? It's only going to be where they're waiting nine in the box and daring USC to run that they can try. 
try to challenge them as their secondary. But, uh, you know, they, they do have a lot of weapons to work with. This will be the first division conference game for both teams, and I think it will be the only one in the entire SEC this week. SEC Nation will be in Columbia, Missouri for this game. Both teams know this will really set a tone for how their season's going. Last year, Missouri was pretty much the same situation, good on offense, terrible on defense, and it was still a close game. Missouri is favored somehow in this game, I saw. I don't know. It just looks like South Carolina ought to, ought to win this game. I can't see a way South Carolina doesn't win this game. Well, yeah, there is probably some concern with South Carolina because really kind of the model around here, Brendan, as soon as you start thinking you got a game in the bag, that's when you usually start messing up and losing the game. So um, I'm sure that the, you know, the, the players and the coaches aren't thinking that and that they're going to play up that underdog label all they want to. And, you know, yes, it's true Missouri is favored, but it's by two and a half points. That's just because they're the whole team. And um, I'm thinking that that might even drop a little before the game. That's not to say South Carolina is just oh so much better than Missouri because I'm agreeing with you. I really don't know what's going to happen. South Carolina tried its mightiest to give away that game at NC, uh, to NC State last week. And NC State just kept making one more mistake than South Carolina did. So you mentioned last year's game. Missouri really kind of had the same team. But what happened? They turned the ball over three times, two of them inside the two-yard line. You just can't do that. So you, you look at those kinds of things and you think that boys South Carolina should be able to handle it, but you just don't know about this Carolina defense. Their secondary is not that good. NC State was able to, you know, rip it pretty consistently, so I'm sure that Drew Locke is going to have no problem doing the same. If it does become a shootout, it kind of gets down to who has the ball last. And, uh, you know, with a little must champ offense, there's always going to be that hesitation of will they go for the jugular, no matter how much talent that they actually have. Do you think 100 is a reasonable over-under for this game? Yeah. Uh, but I do think that we better have a good seat uh, over 100 points scored this Looking at South Carolina's schedule, I uh, was watching Paul Feinbaum this week. They listed South Carolina as a possible contender to uh, challenge what they said Georgia for the SEC East title. Is Do you think South Carolina fans have that kind of uh, season in mind? I mean, obviously Missouri fans, they've been th- talked about being the bottom of the conference. South Carolina is definitely on the up and up, but do you think they're at a point where they could challenge a Florida or a Georgia to win this division? Well, Brendan, I'll, I'll tell you a true story. Um, a couple days after the game, this is after the Tennessee game finished the other night, which they ended up winning, but they didn't look very good. A buddy of mine, a big Carolina fan, texted me and said, hey, name one team in the East that's better than the Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can't do that, but I also can't say the Gamecocks are better than any team in the East. Right. I think at this point, Brendan, everybody is wide open to win the East championship just because the East is not a very good division. And you just don't know what you have. I picked Florida to win in the beginning because for the simple reason that they've won it the last two years, and I think they're going to do it again. Obviously, considering some of their problems, maybe that's not the best bet that I ever made. But I look at Georgia, Jacob Eason's hurt. You look at Tennessee, they just don't really have a great offense. You look at Vanderbilt, you look at Missouri, you look at Kentucky. I mean, they probably have the most stable team yeah. back in the East, but come on, it's Kentucky. Right. So you just don't really know what's going to happen. 
And, you know, it's a very long-winded answer. Yeah, I think South Carolina could be a dark horse candidate doing the SEC. I also think that for the other six teams in the division. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have been in the SEC since 2012. Two years we pulled off the division championship. But every single year, I think you could say that about it. There has not been a single year where there's been a runaway candidate. I think one year... Everybody was picking Tennessee, and Tennessee absolutely didn't live up to those expectations. But I think this is no different from from a Missouri fan's perspective. This is what the East always looks like, at least that's has for the last five years. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it always comes down to some of those big games. You're going to have Florida and Tennessee next week. Of course, you'll have the cocktail party game with Florida and Georgia down in Jacksonville. And then you have all these other little games, with South Carolina, Tennessee, or Missouri, Tennessee. What does Missouri do against Kentucky? How does Kentucky play against Georgia? It's always going to come down to that. But the way I put it, Brendan, winning these is a significant accomplishment. Everybody feels great about it. You get to put a nice little pretty sign up there at the stadium, and everybody's happy. But what do you really win these days and age? A chance. You win the prize of going to Atlanta the first week of December and having your head bashed in by Alabama. <laughs> you don't have to educate a Missouri fan about that. We uh, we know all too well about that uh, that prize. Yeah, it, it is true, and I, I guess there have been you know the years where the East was the dominant division, and then the West was down. But I don't know as long as maybe Nick Saban's in this conference if that's ever going to change or, or what what disrupts the apple cart and makes the East competitive again. That's the thing. I think, well, first of all, you have to have Alabama get upset by an Auburn or A&M or LSU, whoever it may be, and keep them out of the SEC championship game. And that way, you're not, I'm not saying you're playing a, a lesser team, but you're not playing the specter of the big bad Crimson Elephants in Tuscaloosa. Who knows they're supposed to win and who's going to go out there and do everything possible to win. So I think that you can definitely see that because the SEC West is such a meat grinder. Until somebody actually does it, well, we, we don't even need to have the discussion. I mean, the East ruled it for years because Florida was the best team. They went in there with, with something nobody ever did before, and they won. Alabama's doing the same thing, and it's not really because they're doing something people haven't seen. It's just because they've got the best players. So until that happens and somebody other than Alabama going to Atlanta, we're probably going to see Alabama keeping the, to win the SEC. David, before I let you go, do you have a prediction about how this game will go? Do you think it will be a Gamecocks win? Do you think the road game will hurt them? What's, what's your expectation for uh, Saturday night? I do think South Carolina will win, Brandon. Uh, don't ask me how. Um, I think that they're just going to find a way to make one key stop, get one key crucial turnover from Missouri, and find a way to get one more score uh, than the Tigers. Now, who knows how that's going to happen? It could be that Drew Locke throws another pick in the end zone. It could be that, you know, maybe USC or Missouri makes a kick that they're not expecting. By the way, USC is going to be breaking in a new field goal kicker no matter who it is. They've got two candidates, so one of them's going to have to win the job and take his first clear field goal. So, you look at me, I'm probably going to pick somewhere around the 42 to 38, 45 to 42 game, but I do think South Carolina will go out there and get the win and come back home 2 0. I'll tell you how it's going to happen. You can you write this down because it's a fact. We have a place kicker who leads the league in missed extra points. So that's all you really need. You can match us touchdown for touchdown. We just got to kick the extra point. Well, I'll tell you, man, if, if, if it will happen, the heartbreak will come in the north end zone. I've, I've <laughs> got to expect that from games in Missouri. That's where all the ghosts are buried and, and where everything happens to the, to the Missouri Tigers when it comes to, to uh, harsh football results. 
Yeah, you've covered Missouri long enough to know the facts. <laughs> I appreciate you being on. David Cloninger, thank you very much for talking to us a little bit about this matchup this weekend. It's going to be fun no matter what happens. It will be a wild Saturday night in Columbia. Not a problem, Hopefully you're a CA Columbia all Saturday. Thanks for having me. With us now, old friend of the show, Joel Wall Jasper, who's a communications specialist for Mizzou Healthcare. He's going to help us uh, determine whether this Mizzou defense can ever be repaired. Joe, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. So that's my first question. Can this Mizzou defense ever be repaired? Hmm. That was definitely the wrong kind of 29-point win, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think the optimistic view that some of the people took afterward was, well... It was really mostly just terrible discipline as opposed to anything else that they, they did. Missouri State didn't drive the ball down the throats the whole game. It was just 12 to 15 screw-ups, um, <laughs> and there you go, you give up 43 points. But that, that's sort of a uh, gossamer thread to hang your hopes on, is that uh, all those will be corrected and you'll be airtight defense in the future. I don't think they're very talented. I would say I thought that Rashad Brandon looked really good. And so I would think a defensive tackle with him and Terry Beckner is actually a legit position group. I don't know that any of the other position groups I would say that about them. I don't know that you would. I don't think they're above average in the SEC, SEC wise in any other category. And really, I'm not sure they're really, judging by Saturday, I'm not sure they would really be above average SCS in any other category either. I mean, secondary in particular, I think, is going to be a, that's going to be a problem all year long. Because even when they weren't confused, they really weren't covering people. I hear what you're saying about uh, how people were kind of at least trying to find some glass half full thing. Saying if they just let catastrophic errors um, amount to large gains, but at the same time, you know, there's no guarantee that that discipline will magically appear in South Carolina, like you suggested. And I think what has me really, I guess, frustrated as a fan and confused is. You know, we knew that they were bad last year. We knew that even an improved team would not necessarily be a great defensive team. But the sort of worst case scenario appears to be that they're they were bad last year, as bad as possibly anyone could imagine, and yet they've still found a way to be worse. And I know we lost like Charles Harris and Penton, but like how have they regressed in and you know, ten months? This coaching staff knew that we had a real weakness in the defense, and they've somehow, <laughs> in their you know all their machinations and chess piece moving, made them worse. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. I, did. I really thought it was going to be hard to do because I mean, when you're 118th out of 126, there's not that far to fall. But when you think about it, last year terrible opponents. They didn't look this bad. I mean, they held Delaware State to zero. Yeah. Um, they held Eastern Michigan, I think, the 21. Um, Vandy and Arkansas, they held in the 20s. So they, it's always dangerous to get too carried away with one game. But right. it's really these, when they play these FCS teams, I sort of have this feeling that you can't right. really learn anything good about the team, but you can learn something bad about them. Um, and to me, that that was a gigantic flashing danger sign uh, just because 
Yeah, yeah, there was some plays. I know that the 75-yard run that, that night played Jordan Norman kind of went flying up to the line on the opposite side. He got kind of distracted by motion, so there was no nobody. He was kind of a single high safety, and there was nobody back there to tackle him. You know, they had the, the, the pass, the big tight end, where three guys were chasing the guy in the flat ball, the tight end, and then the seam. And then the third 24 play was, I think, the most egregious, where lay off the guy tackling him and make him punt, and Mark Zazie, who had a really tough day, this was him. And then I think it was Anthony Hines just came flying up and didn't bring down whatsoever and just bounced off. And in a way, he went, so, you know, there was, I guess it's hard to really point to the most egregious screw up, but there were three pretty bad ones there. Well, the, the, you mentioned that third and 24 play. Not only did they, they misplay it badly, but uh, they called a timeout prior to that. I mean, it, it's an indicator of how <laughs> <laughs> unconfident yeah. they were in that defense. And then, you know, that. You think in a timeout they're going to really put it together, and and that's what happens. And it was just uh, there got to be a point where you know I've watched a lot of Tiger football, and you, you're shocked at uh, the way things unfold. And it was one of those shocking moments. You're like, I can't believe this is happening. And uh, we won, and I don't think anybody doubt, doubted we would win. But it really, it was just a, you know they started cramping up. Did Missouri ever make changes in the second half, or was that just a matter matter of attrition on Missouri State's part? They got tired, or did they? Did Missouri well, actually do positive things in halftime to sort of fix what was going wrong? After the game, Barry Odom said that he just basically made one defense call the entire second half, and the simplification of it seemed to help them. So I don't know. When people say things like that, I always wonder why. Why did you wait till halftime? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I just <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about all year long of the after the fact discussions of only this play, this play, this play, and this play didn't happen. Yeah, but it held them to fourteen points. That's kind of what you end up talking about. Bad defenses that tackle very well too. Yeah, but I think the the bare minimum that has to happen is talent aside, you got to tackle these guys for ten yard gains instead of seventy five yard touchdowns. And if you can do that, then you're at least giving yourself a chance. The offense, I think you mentioned, you know, when we play these FCS teams, we don't really learn anything. They scored a lot of points, but they scored a lot of points, on, like you mentioned, against Delaware State last year. And what we haven't learned yet is whether they can do it against the SEC talent. And if they can, let's say something positive for Missouri happens in the first time in three years and, and their offense can score on anybody. Is it going to just be shootout after shootout all year long and we can maybe piece together a five or six win, win season? Or is it, do you think this defense is just so bad that you have to have an NFL offense to, to compensate? Uh, no, you know, I think it could be a Texas Tech, like a team, uh, like a Mike Leach Texas Tech team. I mean, it's a while, they'll get some turnovers and win a game by more than seven points, but mostly you're going to be in a lot of shootouts. But I think they can win more than five or six games. I guess I I wouldn't be quite so ready to write off the possibility of a winning season just yet. I think they could win this Saturday, and that, that's a pretty pivotal pivotal game to me because that's a that is the kind of game you really have to win if you're going to have a winning season. I think because there will be Sunday line, the Auburn game will be a lot tougher. Going to Georgia, because you get them at home, you get them at night, you get them possibly being a little flat coming off a big win. Um, a lot is going in your favor in this game, um, so I think. It's a little early to call it a must-win game, but it's pretty important. We're favored to win, and, you know, a small favorite, but uh, I was just surprised to see it. I guess I am so downtrodden by what I saw <laughs> on Saturday mm-hmm. that I that yeah. I, I don't have confidence. You know, I, I predicted a six or seven win season, seven uh, hoping for a seven or eight win season, and I, I wanted a mulligan on that call. You know, I just... <laughs> 
<laughs> you just expect a, a, a Missouri State wasn't just an FCS school; they're a middling FCS school, you know. And it's not a North yeah. Dakota State, and so I've I've just, um, of course, I'm I'm very uh, you know reactionary and yeah. glass half empty. So. I know that about you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I will say this though: the also Missouri schedule is such that there's only a couple games that schedule that you look at and go, ooh, mm-hmm. really good luck winning that one. There's a lot of sort of toss up the games in the, to, to begin with, and I think they have kind of theme that's be not good enough defensively to blow anybody out, mm-hmm. but good enough offensively, I think. Against the, you know, I don't think there's a ton of great defenses on their schedule. Auburn's got a good defense. Georgia's got a good defense, but a lot of these teams are not um, defenses. And we'll say um, we were sort of snowed under a little bit by, I remember last year after that Delaware State game, then yeah. they go down to LSU and couldn't move the ball at all. Kind of think that, I was most impressed, I think, even though you know, Locke was kind of the star of the game by the way the receivers played. Obviously, they blocked well, which is something they haven't done for a couple of years, mm-hmm. which I can turn short games into big games. But also, uh, by my count, they dropped two passes. Um, that was a big problem last year. Yeah. So, if they can, I think I think the big test for the receiving core is when they run into a team that comes right on top of you uh, and plays press man coverage and disrupts the timing of the whole thing, and they're good enough to get off you know, jammed and what the shake didn't do last year against LSU or Florida, then mm-hmm. that will tell you, I think that's, that's when the offense will be able to move the ball on anybody. Last question, not related to anything Mizzou, but uh, we talked about people who were possibly on the hot seat, and obviously Kevin Sumlin and uh, Butch Jones in the SEC came to the top of the list. And boy, what a first week they had. You know, I mean, Butch Jones pulled out the win, but it was the most Butch Jonesian win I've ever seen. And uh, he does that seem, seems to every year. And then Texas A&M just like – there, that game was like a microcosm of a typical Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M season. Start out red hot, and then just the mm-hmm. wheels fall off. Do you think? <laughs> do you think they're going to see the end of this year? Ooh, that uh, that Texas A&M trustee acts like he was he was ready to pull the plug. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough for someone to survive. I think you could say a microcosm of, of the usual Texas A&M season is almost like a microcosm of his career there too. You know, early early days when they had Manziel, he looked like the rising stars coaching in the nation, and now it's sort of dwindled to something that's where if eight wins is going to satisfy them, um, and it doesn't look like they, <laughs> it, it might be tough for them to get to eight. I think Texas A&M fans probably right, so are thinking, you know, what a what a perfect time this would have been to really put some distance between themselves and Texas because Texas is on this weird slump too. And it's almost like they really haven't gained much ground up. And I think that eats away Auburn fans or maybe you're unrealistic about their expectations in comparison to Alabama. Texas fans probably feel the same way about Texas. And so that's probably what is is uh, shortening his leash. Now, Bush is, that, you're right, you know, it was like a million photoshoppers were having a field day with that stupid trash can, and then he pulled it out at the end. So I think they'll just have to save that and close it and bring it back up next week when they probably somehow lose the game as stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for that trash can to be utilized once more. Uh, <laughs> you know, I saw I saw a photo today. It looked like Mizzou actually had themselves a trash can as well, so I bet we don't see that on the field again. Well, I'm, I'm shocked. Now, you were at the game Saturday? I was. What did you make of Missouri's new mascot, Walt? We talked about Waltz a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like I am in the majority when it comes to our friend Waltz. Um, 
it is. I, I, I said he's bush. He's a bush league knockoff of Little Red. I think he's like doing Little Red's axe, you know, from back in the Catskills or something. <laughs> yes. Well, that you was know, my... last, last year. The superstars came to um, the arena, and these were like inflatable mascots with an edge. You know, they would eat, eat other humans, this sort of thing. Yeah. And so, to me, if you're bringing in the inflatable mascot, you go that route. But this was really a total just little red ripoff. Yeah, the, and the problem I had with it was the guy who was Waltz's um, operator inside there had trouble sort of flipping around to get you know on his head, and so it looked like he was uh, making sweet love to the end zone for a while while he was sort of <laughs> navigating his way through the uh, inflatable suit. And I didn't think that was right for the kids. You know, I was worried about the kids. And uh, but he mm-hmm. Waltz is face down on the grass and just just. <laughs> wallow on away but uh yeah i don't don't know i wonder if we'll see i I wonder it's a good question will butch jones last longer or will waltz (laughs) yeah you know you can start a little uh death pool there with like having some waltz and butch jones and see who's last longer (laughs) yeah well it's good to see that uh, jim sterk has uh, upped the entertainment budget to 30 to 40 dollars on inflatable um (laughs) mascots well, Joe, thank you very much for joining us. And I should mention that you uh, you, you now have a Friday column at Power Mizzou. Is that right? That's right. So I'm working on that as we speak. So that usually comes out bright and early on Friday mornings. And then I also come in home games for the Associated Press. So still uh, hanging around the press box and kind of keep my hands in the sports writing business a little bit. Yeah, I enjoy the, uh, I enjoy the column in particular because uh, not being – in uh, print, it looks like you're just free to go with no word limit whatsoever and just complete uh, your Rambling. psychosis yeah, go as far. Rambling. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the word I was trying to, to waltz around. Yeah, no, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot, and and uh, and I especially do enjoy it because you can uh, go <laughs> in whatever direction you want. And I, I remember it was uh, organic diaper purchasing, and uh, I think it, it's gone yeah. in all kinds of directions. And but it always circles back to the important stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, you're in the hands of a master here. You know, it's always going to come back and tie, tie into the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Joe. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And hopefully we'll see uh, another Tiger win on Saturday. Okay. Thanks, Brendan. Pull up your pants. We're back. And there you have it. Yeah. There well, you go. After hearing that, do you feel any more confident about this weekend? No, I mean, everybody's more bullish about the Tigers than I feel like they should be, mm-hmm. even the South Carolina guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I do feel like if people are too bullish on the Tigers, um, they're also too bullish on South Carolina right now, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, they do look better than they have in you know, recent history, and part of that, a big part of that is you know the quarterback, but they're not world beaters. You know, I mean, the fact that this is a big game for them says they're not because mm-hmm. the Tigers aren't world beaters. Right. You know, and if, if never the, forget who coaches them. <laughs> well, that's right. But, you know, if this was, let's say, Georgia with Eason mm-hmm. and the South Carolina was, it was looked at as like a Peter. big game like this, then that would say, well, South Carolina's on a different playing field or what have you. But, you know, these are two teams in the middle of the mm-hmm. East looking to be more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a big game. Everybody's like, which one of these middlers are going to be more than what we expect? And that's why everybody's looking at this game. And that's why SEC Nation is going to be there because mm-hmm. you've got two intriguing teams, two teams with decent offenses and young quarterbacks and, 
it's a kind of exciting, but at the end of the day, neither one of these teams is in the football playoffs at the end of the season. Right. It's like David Cloninger said, it's a, it's a battle to see who gets their ass stomped in Atlanta by Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it's right. And that's typically what the East is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and I said, everybody wants to say the East is down or whatever, but I don't think that's an indication of the East being down. I think it's an indication of Alabama is an absolute fucking wrecking ball for the past five years and maybe more and beyond. And God only knows. I'm just going to keep saying Alabama's eventually going to fall off a cliff. Because eventually I'll be right. Mm-hmm. But it's never going to happen. Sometimes it feels like, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Nick Saban's going to die eventually, mm-hmm. you know. God willing. Well, I mean, or he's like Saruman uh, from Lord of the Rings or Voldemort. Where, like, mm-hmm. even though they die, their, like, spirit in some way survives and they come back later. The elves and men and everyone else has to join forces to defeat them. Mm, that's a really nerdy outlook. On it the, is. I it is. Like but the direction, <laughs> well, well my, my real concern is, is that Nick Saban is immortal. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to, Brendan. And if he is, God bless the SEC for the, the beatings they're going to take for <laughs> eternity. <laughs> I feel like Nick Saban, to stay immortal, has to, like, drink the blood of the innocents or mm-hmm. something. Sure. You know, so maybe if we can cut him off from a source of, like, infant blood mm-hmm. or whatever it is he drinks. I think he sacrifices virgins. Mm-hmm. And that is increasingly hard in Alabama. That's why he had to I mean, get rid of start Lane younger Kiffin. and younger. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you got to get Lane Kiffin out of the state, first yeah. of all, because he's deflowering. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to leave right. a virgin left in that state. <laughs> no. <laughs> first and foremost, the Saban girls. Yeah, that's why he hired uh, <laughs> Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian, Sark after dark. He's like... He's got whiskey dick. Yeah, that guy can't even get it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that guy's so loaded. There's no He's going to leave some virgins around. Yeah, that's interesting philosophy. I don't think anybody's really thought about that. It's why he left LSU. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I cannot, there's not there's enough not urgency enough to keep me alive. No. So here's what we learned tonight, folks. First of all, Mizzou's probably going to lose. Second, and most importantly, Nick Saban is immortal. He is kept alive by the blood of virgins. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult to find virgins <laughs> in Alabama or, or the South in or general. Or Louisiana, yeah. yes. And, and frankly, when Lane Kiffin is in your state, they go down fast. <laughs> yeah. I hope you found all of this information. I think the middle part, talking to people who know about football, mm-hmm. isn't nearly as informative as this last little bit where we're really breaking it down for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The next time we play Alabama, hide your daughters. Well, here's what I – you know what, Brennan? I, mm-hmm. We're going to win. Okay. I'm changing my prediction. We're going to win. Okay, and tell me why. I don't know. I just got a, I just got a feeling. Oh, God. I got a feeling deep down in my gut. <laughs> in your- Deep down in my loins, you know, I just feel it. In your stones. Something's coming. I mm-hmm. feel it. There's just a, there's a palpable something in the air around this university, around the football team, the basketball team. I think it's Jim Sturk. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but there's just, there's something. Jim right. Sturk is like Jon Snow. He's the, the prince that was promised or something, you Which, know. And, again, you're going into, yeah, you're going, going, going into fantasy nerd, nerd references. <laughs> something. I'm just, I'm trying to be a pessimist, and it's easy because mm-hmm. it's just my natural state. But I don't know. There's something about this year that's starting to permeate inside me. I'm going, I don't know. This is there's something special going on here. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. And watch me curse for basically 90 minutes straight in the next show when we lose. But I just, man, the schedule sets up nicely. Georgia loses its quarterback. Florida looks like a dumpster fire on offense. You know, Kentucky's Kentucky, so I don't want to hear about Kentucky until Kentucky does something to, you know, we've won the East twice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we can, we can crow a bit, you know, not a bunch, but we can crow a bit. Like Kentucky's like, we look really good for the how manyth time in the, and we never, we never pee a drop. So fuck mm-hmm. Kentucky until Kentucky wins the East. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. I just, I'm ready. Great story. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right, Colin. I do not feel whatever it is you think you're smelling in the air, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm, again, I'm happy to be wrong. Well, I've been drinking paint thinner for about half an hour before the show started, mm-hmm. so that could have something to do with it. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, and syphilis. Don't ever forget how much syphilis is just rotting. Mm-hmm. My we spent a lot of time around Brian. That stuff's bound to rub off. Well, yeah. Rubbing off's what got us here. <laughs> anyway, I guess that's about it, right? Brandon? There's I nothing left to say. No, no. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. He's not going to leave a virgin left in that state. (laughs)